Hello, guys, and thank you for listening and watching another episode of Live Free Podcast, where I talk about living that life of freedom, that life of rest and expansion in Christ Jesus. I have an awesome word of the Lord today, and I just want to um, chime in real quick and say, remember, this is a podcast, guys, so you guys can also download the episodes on any major podcast outlet, Spotify, Apple Music. Um, it's on all platforms. And I never remember to say that. So I just wanted to throw that in just in case you wanted to listen to it and you're on the road or if you're working out or whatever. So this is a podcast, so you can download it. And you can also watch on YouTube, which is what you're doing now. So anyway, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for your support. Thank you so much for your prayers. I want to get straight into it. God gave me a few dreams um, and these dreams are a, what I would call a prophetic warning to the body of Christ. And, um, one I would say is related to the wealth transfer. And then the other, I would say is related to the condition of the body of Christ and the state of the spiritual condition of the body of Christ. This is word is not for everyone. So pray into it and ask God if this word is speaking to you, or if you're bear witnessing with it, then it may be for you and it may not. But I want to get into it because I believe that these two dreams that God has given me is a direct prophetic um, warning that he wanted me to share. Some dreams I don't share because it's personal and some dreams he do want me to share. And I do believe that these two he did want me to share and um, serve as a warning to the body of Christ. The first dream that I want to talk about is really short, but it's very powerful and this dream was related to the wealth transfer. Um, I had a dream that I was walking up to a bank. This particular bank was not your typical bank with a building with four walls. This particular bank was um, outdoors. It didn't have any walls, but it had massive gates around it. And I knew I was going to get into the bank. So as I was walking in, there was other people that were going into the bank as well. But in order to get into the bank, you needed an access card to get in. So in my mind, I knew that I had an access card in my right pocket. So I looked, I remember looking at the person who went in before me and that person um, swiping the card and they get, had access to the gate. Now at this particular gate, there set a man at the gate doors where the gates open. There was a man sitting there to make sure nobody got in that didn't supposed to be in there. And so when I seen the person go in and they had the card in their pocket, there was someone to the left of me that I had no idea who this person was. But this person, I believe it was a demonic entity that was intended to lead me astray. So as I was walking up to the gate, um, this person said, um, why don't you just use the temporary card to get into the gate? And I looked up at the temporary card and I remember specifically seeing the numbers written on the temporary card. And it was there just in case somebody didn't have their card to get in. Uh, and I said to that person, I said, well, why would I use that card to get into the gate when I have my own personal access card? I said, that makes no sense. And then I went on to explain to him, to that person, I said to them, I said, that temporary card keeps a footprint of every place that you go once you enter this space. 
I said, and if someone has done something wrong that they shouldn't have done, I would be looked at as doing something because I, I would be using a card that's not mine. And I knew it had the footprint of whoever used it on it once you get into the place. I said, it makes no sense. That's what I said. I said, it makes no sense. I said, I have my own card. Why would I use a temporary card? So they stopped talking and I proceeded up to the gate. And when I got up to the gate, I swiped my card. I gained access, the gates open, and I walked in. And there was a lot of people in there walking around. And you can see through the gates, um, the people walking around in there. The, the dream was over. So I truly believe that that person that was to the left of me that was trying to get me to use a different card to access the gate was trying to get me to go another route other than the access that God has given me to get into the bank. And I truly believe that that bank represented the access to what God is, um, the open doors that God has for his people in this season and in this hour. This is a time when he is giving us access, but we have to be careful that we're not led astray by false uh, voice, um, by the, the voice of the enemy. And I truly believe that had I access uh, using that card, that maybe the gate wouldn't have opened. I'm not really sure what would have happened, but I didn't feel right about it. I just knew whoever had access to that temporary card was also um, uh, somebody who had done something previously that they shouldn't have done to gain access. So it made no sense, but somebody still suggested that I use that card even though I had my own card. It made no sense to me. So anyway, I'm saying all that to say, I feel like that was a prophetic warning. That was a warning that I feel like God was giving us. He's given us in this time and he's saying, do not look to the left or to the right, but keep your eyes fixed on him. And we don't have to go around to get things that God has for us. We are automatically grafted in. We are heirs according to the promise. We have full access to what God has for us. So not get distracted or not get um, tempted, that's the word, tempted to do something that you don't need to do because God has already given us our, our own access to get into things. We don't have to go around and assert things. We can go straight through the doors because we have the access. And I feel like that was a warning um, for the body of Christ. And the reason why I say for the body of Christ, because it wasn't just me going through that gate. It was a lot of people going through that gate, the person in front of me, and then the people that were already in that gate when I was looking through the gates to go in. But like I said, it didn't have walls. It was pretty much, you can see through it, right? So it was a bank. So I just wanted to share that with you guys and just be vigilant and just make sure you're doing things the way God wants you to do them and that you're not trying to take any shortcuts. That's what I keep hearing, shortcuts. No shortcuts. We don't have to take shortcuts because we have full access to God's blessing. The blessing of the Lord maketh us rich and it adds no sorrow to it, right? So we don't have to try to figure things out because things are already worked out. All things work together for the good of those that love God, that are called according to his purpose. So the other dream that I had was a bit longer. It was a dream about showing a home. And I had this dream on October the 5th of 2023. Um, this dream, I believe, symbolized the body of Christ and it symbolized the spiritual condition uh, what the enemy's plans are right now for the body of Christ. And so let me just go ahead and read the dream and then I'll read the interpretation of what I feel like God was saying about this dream. So this was a dream, um, if you guys don't know, I'm a real estate agent. And so 
God gives us dreams according to how we relate to things. And this was about me showing a home. Okay. So I dreamed about showing a home October the 5th, 2023. I dreamed that I was showing a home and a family um, could have been my family who was with me, but I'm not really sure. I just know it was a family. That's how I knew it was for the body of Christ. I think it was my siblings that was in the dream. So, you know, my sisters and brothers in Christ, which is hence why I'm showing this, um, why I'm telling you about the dream, right? So um, it was my family, but I'm not sure who the family really was. I kind of thought it was my family. So as I'm showing the home, I remember that the home was not very clean or new. As I was giving the tour, the back door opened and it was the family that actually owned the home. Um, now, if you don't know, when you're showing a home, you have to go through the MLS system and then you have to schedule a showing for the home. So the showing has to be approved by the other realtor that's representing that client in order for you to access the home and to show the home. Okay. So I just wanted to kind of give you a background on how the showing um, time works in, in, in the MLS system. Okay, so I was showing the home and then the back door opened. And when the back door opened and I realized that it was the family that actually owned the home that was coming in and they realized that a showing was taking place. So before I could see, um, before I could see their faces, they shut the door. And before they did their, before they did, their two dogs ran in, two dogs ran into the home, okay? And one small dog began to poop at the door. And I've seen the dog pooping at the door in the dream. Okay. So when the dog ran in, the small dog pooped at the door and then started running like crazy. Like it was out of control. It was a whole bunch of chaos. Then it seemed like chaos erupted in the house at that time when the dogs both started running through the house. And then um, I, let's see. And then the small dogs actually stepped in the poop um, and stepped in it, right? And so those dogs then started chasing the other family's dog that was in the house. And it was so chaotic that they got their dogs back out. And I remember seeing the poop by the door. I remember looking at another door that had the lockbox on it. I looked at the door, so I'm in the house, I'm looking at the back door, then I looked at the other door, which I guess was the front door, and it had the lockbox on it. And it had um, the lockbox on it that you you know use to gain access to the home when you're showing homes. And so, and I remember that I forgot to schedule the showing and showing time so that the homeowner, so the homeowner didn't know that there would be people at the house looking, but the house was on the market and they knew it was a um they knew it wasn't a burglar in the house so they immediately shut the door when they came in they they kind of figured it was a showing going on i was showing a home and that was um the people were just standing there looking and so i got all of our things and i speeded speedily left the house so this is the interpretation that the holy spirit gave me for the dream so in dreams, houses could represent your temple. It could represent a literal house or it could represent um, the house of God. So this house could represent literally just those three things that I just mentioned. So just let me, um, let's see here. 
Okay, so I feel like this was the state of the body of Christ. I feel like this house represented our temples, right? So the body of Christ, when praying about all of the confusion that I saw, um, I saw a lot of confusion on YouTube. I saw a lot of confusion in um, the body of Christ. I see what's going on right now. It's a lot going on in the body of Christ. And it's more so warring against each other instead of the enemy. We, we're warring against each other. So when I prayed about that, that night, that's when I had this dream. And so then I saw um, the confusion within, um, you know, YouTube and within the body of Christ, within the church that I'm seeing now. Um, let's see, YouTube. I was looking at some YouTube real estate videos and then I prayed and asked God to show me um, if I'm on the right track, you know, if with what I'm discerning. So also we, we were in the home, not illegally, but without permission. That's huge. So to show, because we did not schedule the showing and showing time. So because of that, when the owner and the family of the house came home, there was a lot of confusion and dogs pooping and running around when the door opened. Even though I had the right to be in there, I didn't have permission at that particular time to be in there. That's huge. So the homeowner and the other family immediately left when they saw we was in the home and that could represent the body of Christ. This is me writing down the interpretation. Okay, so the dogs represented chaos and unbelief inside the body of Christ. Uh, and a lot of times in the Bible, the dogs also represent unbelievers. And you see this in the Bible. If you look in the book of Psalms 22, verse 16, it says, For the dogs have surrounded me, the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierce my hands and feet and count all my bones. They look and stare at me. So a lot of times in the Bible, God correlates dogs to unbelievers. He correlates dogs to unbelief. So that's something to think about as well. So the poop also represented offense. When you're stepping in poop, it represents offense. Okay. And so the homeowner and the other family immediately left when I saw, um, when they saw me, you know, in the house showing the home. And we all left once the dogs broke out running and acting crazy. The dogs represented chaos and unbelief inside of the body. Being in someone else's home could represent, I'm not, you're not where we should be at the right time, either mentally or physically. Once I realized by looking at the lockbox on the door that I did not schedule uh, a showing time, I immediately left. So let's look at this. He took me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 and 24, and it says, you say I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. So just because we have the right to do something, doesn't mean we have the permission or it, or if that, that doesn't mean it's beneficial to do it. It's not going to benefit us anything to do it. And what am I saying when I say this? I'm talking about the body of Christ, the state of offense. The enemy is sowing seeds of offense in the body of Christ. And most of that offense is against each other. And just because we have a right to do something in the body of Christ doesn't mean we have the permission to do it.
And so that's what God was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And it also reads in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. So God was saying we are so focused on the problem or offense or offenses that come to us in this season. The enemy is so on offenses just to keep us out of God's promises. And so we have to be vigilant and aware of when something is intentionally sown by the enemy and it's intentionally uh, targeted um, for us to be offended so that we can, you know, not receive the promises of God. Because if offense is not checked, it turns into bitterness and it turns into unforgiveness in your heart. And then you sin in against God. So you have to be very careful. So we are so focused on the problem or offense that we can't even see the bigger picture of the why. So justifying under the Christian liberty, we justify a lot of things, a lot of sin under the liberty of the freedom of Christ that we're in, right? So you have the freedom, but you should not be mastered by the freedom. So we can have a right to do something, but we don't, some, some, a lot of times it's not beneficial. It's not edifying to your brothers and sisters in Christ, or it's not lifting up someone, or if you're not praying for someone, right? So we can have the, the right to do it, or the right to say it, or the right to, oh, I'm going to get this person together. I'm going to make a video to expose them. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But at the same time, God says, you know, he desires truth in our inward parts. He says, if you go to, um, Matthew 23 and 23, this is where Jesus says he desires the more weightier things. And those weightier things is justice, mercy, and faithfulness that he speaks about. He even talks about um, all of the paths of the Lord in Psalms 25 and 10 are mercy and truth. So God desires mercy, not sacrifice. If you look at Matthew 9, chapter 9 and verse 13, it says, but God but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And God is saying, you know, this is a time where the enemy is sowing seeds of unforgiveness. He's sowing seeds of offense. He's having the body of Christ in an all-out war, debating over different things. You're debating over the Palestinians. You're debating over Israel. You're debating if this should be the Israel land. You're we all got this thing going on, but this is a line that God is drawing in the sand in this season. He's separating the wheat from the tear. And the body of Christ, the Bible says judgments must first start at the house of God. So a lot of times situations will arise out of nowhere and that reveals what's in the heart of people. People don't even realize it. A lot of times things come up and things arise. You know, you got the, you know, the demon slayers going at it with the sensationists and, and all of these things are happening. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, we got a full scale war going on. And then there have been many prophetic words that have come forth saying that the, the, the fight may come to our door in the U.S. So why everybody is so focused on other things, they're so focused on um, um, clearing their name, right? 
They're so focused on clearing their name that they're not even seeing that it's a distraction. It's a distraction to keep you focused on things that don't even matter. Because why? God desires truth in our inward parts. He desires mercy, not sacrifice. He desires. I know we think we sacrifice. We go here. We do this. We do that. We doing this for the ministry. We doing this for the kingdom. We say the kingdom of God. But God desires mercy. That is what he really wants us to hone in on in this season. He wants us to be forgiving and compassionate towards one another. Even if we don't agree, we can agree to disagree and still love on people, right? So that's what he's really desiring. He also said to share this. This is something I wrote maybe six or seven weeks ago. He, he says five or six signs that clarifies who you really serve. So these are the things that he had me to write down. Um, five or six signs. These, this is going to um, clarify who do we really serve. You know, when we, we talk about ministry and we talk about the body of Christ, let me just say this. I am not against church. I'm not against the people of God. I'm not against sowing. I, I'm a sower. I'm a giver. I love me some good church. In fact, I just went to a conference um, the other day. But believe it or not, guys, I had to leave because... God was not there. And I'm not even going to drop any names. I'm not going to say anything. But I'm going to say this. When I walked into the place, and we're still talking about the condition of the body of Christ. We're still talking about it because this ties directly into what I'm saying. When I walked into the place, I'm always looking for God. I don't care who's speaking. I don't care how long they've been saved. I don't care how anointed everybody else say they are. When I walk into a place, I'm looking for the presence of God. And the only way I'm going to know if God is even there is if I spend time with him, if, if, if I'm in his presence myself. So when I walked into the place, I'm walking in, everybody's friendly, and I'm looking for a seat. I'm always looking for one on the end, not because I want to be you know, difficult, but because I like to praise and worship and I want my hands to go up and I don't want to be sitting like this, you know, and then, you know, germs and the COVID. And, and so I like to just sit on the end. And even if that means for me sitting in the very back in the end, I don't, I don't get into that. I don't get into if I'm sitting in the front or back, just give me an ENC, right? So when I finally found my seat after they said, no, you have to sit right here, sit right there. I was like, okay. I, I said, guys, I'll just sit in the back of the church. Like, I don't even care. I just want to be where God is, right? So I sat in the back, found me a seat in the back, and I was just listening to, um, they were playing worship. Now, at this particular time, it was supposed to be intercessory prayer happening before the actual um, praise and worship came to be, but there was no prayer happening. So everybody's just kind of talking, and music was playing, and, you know, that, that good dance music that gets you in the mood and gets you going, you know. So I'm sitting there. And I just didn't feel the presence of God there. So I said, okay, let me just give it a, give it a moment. So the praise and worship team came out. I was like, oh, perfect. You know, we about to get into some praise and worship. So I stood up, you know, I'm getting into it. But I noticed something about the praise and worship. It went on for 30 minutes. And then after an hour, I realized that Jesus' name was not lifted up one time in the praise and worship. They had all the lights turned out. They had the people turn on their flashlights on the phone. And they were uh, doing these declarations and stuff like that. 
but I'm still looking for Jesus' name somewhere in something. So once the lights came back on and the praise and worship team started, um, the lady started singing, it was a lot of screaming and hollering and, and it was like a performance. It was like they're trying to manufacture the presence of God. In all that worship, guys, Jesus' name was not mentioned one time, one time. That to me, worship is the prelude to what the rest is going to be. I don't care who's speaking. I don't care what's happening. So I politely got my things and I got out of there. And I just felt like, okay. And I got a little bag when I came in. So I said, you know what? I'm not even bringing this bag in my house because I don't feel right about the whole thing. Right? So I'm not even going to bring the bag in my house. I left the bag in the car because I plan on I didn't know if I want to go to the next session the next day, but I just kind of wanted to get a feel of what God was, what he was saying to me about the whole situation. So I left the bag in the car, left it in the car. So the next day I got up and I decided, okay, I know I'm not going back because I can't even, couldn't even wrap my head around the worship part of it. It was just something like, it was, it was, it was weird. So anyway, so, okay. So then after I, um, went out to my car to go get something to eat, I noticed that my tire was low. And I said, okay, my tire is low. Um, it's on 24 PSI. And normally if it's low because of the, the cold weather, it goes to like 30, from 33 to 30 or 27. 24 is kind of like maybe it's a nail in it type thing. So I said, well, let me go put some air in the tire. I went to put the air in the tire. When I got back in the car to put the air in the tire, I noticed that while I was driving, <laughs> There was this big bug on my door. Now, mind you, that bag is still on the side of my my seat. I hadn't thrown it out. I hadn't did anything with that bag. So I didn't even think about the bag. So it was a big bug on the side of my car. Long story short, after trying to get the bug off from driving and it didn't fly off, I had to end up getting out the car and hitting the thing. It was crawling on the window. It was, it was a mess. So anyway, so... I got out of the car, went and got something to eat. When I got back home and later on that day, I got into prayer. I started pleading the blood of Jesus like I normally do over my home. And then when I say I plead the blood of Jesus over my car, the first thing that came to my mind was the flat tire and the big nasty bug that was crawling up the, the door and on the window. And that, and it just hit me right then. The bag was still in my car at that time. I hadn't had no tire issues before then. No bugs crawling on my car before then. It may not have been nothing, but I doubt it because I'm very discerning. So anyway, so I did, went in, I took the bag out and threw the bag in, bag in the garbage. Um, there were some enticing things in there to keep, which was some expensive um, designer perfume. It was all kinds of notebooks and pens, things that you would want to keep, you know, candy, um, the Biscoff cookies, you know, all that good stuff was in there that would, in, would have enticed someone to keep it. But I, it, it didn't still didn't sit right with me. I never ate anything out of it. I threw the whole bag away, notebooks, pens, cookies, perfume, everything, hand sanitizer. I mean, a really good bag, but it was enticing and I did. I just didn't do it. So I just, it, it just didn't sit right with me. So I said all of this to say, we have to be very discerning. I don't care who's saying Jesus. I don't care how long they've been saved. I don't care how anointed you think people are. Take people to, in prayer. Take me in prayer. Take people in prayer. Ask God to show you people and churches by the spirit, not by what the music is doing and everybody jumping and running. That doesn't mean anything to me. If God's presence, presence is not in there, then he's not there. 
I don't care who's doing it and I don't care what people say. So we have to be very careful. So these are five or six signs that clarifies who we serve. Are we serving the one and true living God or are we serving an organization? Are we serving entertainment? Are we serving uh, a religious spirit or are we serving um, uh, apostles and prophets? You know what I'm saying? So one of the things he gave me was the number one is, is it a passion for the word or is it a passion for church organization and, and activities? I'm going to say that again. Is it a passion for the word, which is Jesus, the word of God? Or is it a passion for the organization and for churches? That's one. Number two, are you more concerned about what the pastor or the apostle or prophet sees or, or your, in your behavior around the church? Um, or are you practicing God's presence, sinning in front of the pastor or against God? A lot of times we... Be, uh, we change our behavior around the pastor and we change our behavior around the church members because we want to be looked at in a certain way. But is this behavior modification or are we really concerned with, the, with how God sees us? Because how he feels about us is more important. We got some people in the church that will hide from leadership in the church and, and then do all kinds of crazy things under the presence of God. He sees everything. So if you're not living for his presence, then you're not really living for him. Because if you're more concerned about what the people think and what God thinks, then you're, then you're out, of, out of alignment. You're out of alignment. The other thing is, you are, are, you, are you nice to only church people, but treat your family or outside friends like garbage? I know people that go to church every Sunday, they own committees, they do all the things in the church, but they treat their family and their friends like garbage, but treat uh, church people up here. We should be loving everybody and treating everybody beautiful in the body of Christ. The other thing God says is, are you more concerned about um, the pastor or leadership approval than God's approval? See, we have to know that we are accepted into the arms of the beloved. Whether people reject us or accept us, we are accepted with God. God loves us unconditionally. This is not a, about performance. It's not about behavior modification, but it's about practicing the presence of God. And if you're doing things, it should matter if you're doing it in the sight of God. We have to ask ourselves, do we have church or do we have Jesus? Because I, as I was looking in that place, I can tell you right now, the shouting and the dancing is nice. We like to praise God. But when it's a performing thing, which you see all over the internet, it's a performing thing. It's not lifting up Jesus, but it's I want to be seen thing. Or it's I want to be here just for the entertainment. Because his presence throughout that entire worship that I sat in was not there. And when I walk back in my house, because I have created a cohabitation of his presence in my house, God was letting me know this is, this is the presence of God. So we can create a cohabitation even in our homes. 
and, and it's nice to have it at the church. But what I'm saying is there are thousands upon hundreds of thousands of Christians that have church. They have religious activity, but they don't have Jesus. Why do I say that? I say that because of a heart issue. I say that because of nothing in your life changes. Your heart is not transformed. Your mind is not transformed. You know how to do church. You know how to sing real good. You know how to uh, act in front of people. But when it all comes down to it, when you leave that place, you're a different person. You're not loving on people. You're not being nice to those that are not nice to you. You are not picking up your cross, laying down your life, and really following him. God is saying, this is the line that has been drawn in the sand in this season. He's separating the wheat from the tear. You're going to know who really belongs to God in this season and who don't really belong to him. Who's doing the theatrics and the behavior modification versus the people that are truly being transformed by the renewing of their mind and by their heart and by forgiveness and by obedience and by compassion, compassion and the weightier things that really matter. The weightier things that really matter is what God is concerned about. So that is what he wanted me to hone in on today, guys. He wanted me to hone in on the weightier things that matter to him. Because love and compassion is what draws people. It's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. Not the performance that brings people to repentance. So I want to thank you so much for listening today. Like, comment, share, and subscribe. And until the next time, guys, I will see you in the next video. Bye, loves.